Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Um, first goal. Good. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, claps, claps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the, you wouldn't be long getting your ankle frost, but podcast, a light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good, goodly, good, very good friend, Bradley Adams. Hello, how Hello. are you? Good, Hello, Merry sir. Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Did you have a nice one? Oh, there's so much preparation for Christmas and then it just happens and, sorry, I've got like a, I've got like a skin tag. You can see my nipple, can't you? There you are. Ooh. Lucky you. You know we're live streaming this, Alex. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we are. Sorry. Yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it live? Yeah, it is live. Yeah, it's just gone live. And I'm just and I'm on the stream now putting my nipple away. Uh, yeah, hello. We're, we are live, uh, streaming on, live on YouTube for the first time ever. So uh, hello to anyone watching us on there. It's unlikely I haven't... Uh, Tweeted it in any way because I literally don't know what I'm doing. So we're just trying this out. But there we go. We're streaming live. So me checking out my nipple will be on there the, for the future. Do you, ever, do you ever think about in like a hundred years' time, these podcasts might still be up somewhere on a server, and our kids might listen to them and listen to us, listen to me making like shit puns about Arsenal players and you f- fuming at some man called Mikel Arteta, long dead. <laughs> <laughs> long, long a legend of the club for bringing the Premier League back to the Gunners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, this fucking idiot. They're saying that now, to be fair, to about both of us, so I wouldn't worry. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Different Knock podcast. I uh, hope you had a mer- very Merry Christmas if you do celebrate it. Happy holidays if not. Um, and if you yeah, celebrate Christmas- something else, happy uh, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I just said. Um, uh, I... Uh, <laughs> Brad's got new headphones. He's, he's absolutely spun him. He's got he's got nice new ones. It's for Christmas. so weird. They're very, they're it, very it's good. so weird. I, I'm having. To, I don't know if I'm talking louder than usual, just because I literally can't hear my own voice. No, you sound great, mate. Oh, um, look at that. How was your Christmas, darling? Yeah, it was good. Um, I find Christmas a really strange day anyway because I've got quite a like small circle of family that I'd spend days mm. like Christmas Day with. So obviously you build it up in this head, in your head, sorry, to be like this big day and this big event. And I mean, it's like, well, you do, we just don't really do anything, do we? It's a bit weird. Like, yeah. for example, we got up in the morning. We still do the very, like, you've got kids tradition of opening your presents first thing in the morning. Everyone open them around the tree and whatever. So we still do that. We did that this morning. um, And then basically for the rest of the day, like... My nan and mum dealt with most of Christmas dinner. I contributed bits, but other than that, you, I was, I, I mean, I was just sat around. 
I played quite a bit of football manager. <laughs> of course you did. Like, yeah, you did send me a TikTok about halfway through the day and I thought, oh, it's, it's Christmas is going downhill. Um, it, was yeah, I think like, it was on the ropes, yeah. mate. <laughs> Especially, well, there was, only, there was only three of us in the house. So it's not, we couldn't really play board games. Um, because yeah, hard for a quiz, uh, yeah. that. Yeah. It, Bit of a lonely quiz. It was, it was. It'll be lonely this Christmas. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like Christmas is the build up to it. If you listen to every mm. Christmas song, all it is is just like it's nearly Christmas. Every song is like, all I want, all I want this Christmas in the future. Every Christmas song is about the future and about like you know we'll we're counting down. It'll be lonely this Christmas. Like it's all projection towards. Here we go. <laughs> Already an- analyzing Christmas. Fuck yeah, it, I'll give it a fucking rest. But yeah, like the I do it's I do think it's very interesting. Day. Because then you get to it and you're like, oh, this is, I am still me. The childlike wonder has not returned. Yeah, like, there were no, I I was the youngest person at our Christmas. I'm 25. So. How old's your dog? Oh, God. One of them's 10. And then the other one's like two or three. All right. We had um, my, (laughs) what was the most boring conversation you had? I, I love asking this about people's Christmases. Mine was with my my granddad's wife's son, who told me in excruciating detail about how when you delete an email at his work, how the not even how they can see it, how the coding works. Like he told me about the coding to get to the point where the administrators can see who's deleted their emails for like ten minutes, and I was like, I do, I don't care, I don't care. Sorry, mate. I don't. Oh God! Um, what was the most? <laughs> what was the most boring conversation I had on Christmas? I don't know. Actually. Listeners, tweet us in at Diffnot. What was the most boring yeah, conversation you had do. on Christmas? I do find I these, bet there were some crackers. I do find Christmas these crackers. stories hilarious. Oh, my funny moment of Christmas was um, after Christmas dinner. Everyone always ends up having a nap just because you're in a food coma. And we'd 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 had a, we'd had some drinks, some Baileys, some some red wine, and there was a wine glass on the floor. And um, the dog barks. It, uh, my nan shits herself awake, like not, not literally shits herself, but not jumps literally. out, of, but jumps out of her skin, um, half asleep, and accidentally kicks a, a wine glass the entire oh, length of her. the room, and it shatters. Oh. <laughs> is, is this the nan who was singing on the yeah, Christmas this is, quiz? The this same is nan. put your put your hymns away, Vera. This is Vera. This is Vera. Oh, we love Vera. We love okay. Vera. Did did Vera recover from the the wine glass shenanigans? Oh yeah. Oh, it was it was fine. She thought it was quite funny. That's good. I, th- I feel like there comes a point when old people get quite cantankerous and things like that oh, that just annoy oh, them. Oh, she's there. It ruins she's de- their day. She's, she's definitely there. <laughs> but um, she found this one humorous, which was good for us. Okay. That's good. Well, I'm going to do some podcasting now, Brad, because we're six minutes Let's in. Let's do it. Done yeah. Talk about Arsenal. <clears throat> Ready? Apologies. Ready for this? This is good. Yes. Ready? Oh. Well, Arsenal got you a Christmas present today, didn't they? Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Get him a bow. <sighs> Arsenal five. Norwich nil at Carrow Road. When was the last time we won five nil? I don't know. Should we Google it? Yeah. This is back to the the, the original diff knockers. Yeah. All ten of you who are listening in the first first couple of weeks. We've got a decent listenership now, Brad. Um yeah. where are we? It was uh Arsenal five nil. What was our last five nil? 
How would you find that out? I don't know how you do that. We got beat 5-0. <laughs> uh, 5-0. It might... The last time we won 5-0, according to YouTube, is when we beat Norwich, Nottingham Forest in the... In the cup. Cup, okay. In 2019. Okay. And I was there. I was wow. good. That was, I tell you what, and that was, that was Martinelli. He scored two headers, I think it was. I think the so last time we did it in the league was, was Wenger's last game, 5-0 against Burnley. Oh, there you go. That's a fact I didn't expect to learn today. Um, my word of the game, Brad, I'm going to go first, is um, is Cruz. It was it was pretty easy, man. It was pretty it was pretty nice. Mm. And Cruz in the I've I've done a double again, some more great podcasting, Brad, honestly. Cruz like Cruz, but Cruz like Tom Cruise, because we looked good. Sorry, it's fucking awful. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting I'm getting nervous in front of the YouTube. It's live, Brad. I God can't almighty. I can't edit the shit God can't almighty. edit the shit jokes out like I normally do. Christ. Um yeah. Yeah, I just thought we looked we look sleek, we look good. These are the sort of games. We'll do some analysis now. These are the sort of games where they become we're not we're not gonna remember in two years' time, remember that five nil at Norwich. Like it was a great game, but we're not gonna remember it. It 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 goes into the ether, it's three points, we go we go further up. It was pretty non-eventful apart from the goals. It was a game we should have won, all those sorts of things. But these are also the games that we look back on, Wolves last season and we go fucking hell if they go wrong so like as much as i i think not to sweep it under the carpet or or anything like that and there's a lot to sort of unpack from it but i think sort of in the in the general ether of arsenal in the general sort of um expanse of our season this game is probably going to go oh yeah that was a good you know good away day you know good to get you know saka get two goals for Arsenal in one game for the first time etc etc there's things to take from it but it might get swept under the carpet but actually let's remember these are the types of games insert blank do you know what i mean where previously it might not have happened this way so the fact mm-hmm. we are dispatching these teams consistently this time around um we're we're in cruise baby Absolutely. Uh, and that feeds quite well into my word of the game, which is expectation. Um, oh, can it not be like Pitt or something? Like Brad Pitt and somehow uh, make it a Brad Pitt thing? Um, no, sorry. Come on. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I've, I've planned a whole spiel and, and it, it would it would, it would yeah, be a bit of a car crash. Um, yeah, expectation. I think that we've had a lot of conversations and podcasts that you're if you're a new listener, please feel free to go back and listen again um, about games we've been expected to win that we've lost this season, like Everton, or games that we've expected to win, uh, like the previous Norwich game, like the Burnley game, where we haven't played in the manner that we would wish or haven't beaten them in the manner that we would wish. And that has been probably my biggest criticism of Arteta this season is that when we uh, have these situations, we don't play like they're these situations, if that makes sense. You know, the Mm. expectation against Manchester City is to lose, but the expectation isn't to lose in the way that we lost. The expectation is to go down fighting. Uh, Same in in, uh, other games. And and we saw that against Liverpool, you know, we, it was 4-0. I don't think it deserved to be 4-0, but where there were at least glimmers of hope and moments. This is a is a massive thing for us because I feel like it's one of the first times in a long time where we have met the expectation of what Arsenal Football Club should do. And that is brush aside this team with no effort and and no 
and uh, uh, in in um in second gear you know you've got Granite Xhaka doing weird controlling with his back skill moves <laughs> and uh, fucking hell that was mad yeah, do you, but do you, do you know what I mean I, and yeah, yeah I have been massively critical of Arteta and I you know I still res- I'm I, there is still every opportunity that the wheels fall off this again we've seen the story before but this time there actually feels like a solid basis for it after the Burnley game and the Norwich game and during that 10 game unbeaten run I kept saying we are not doing this in a manner that's good enough and that will eventually lead to us having poor results that'll eventually lead to us having games that we lose like like we did it at Everton this is a different case now we're winning games we're winning them emphatically but even if we're not winning them completely emphatically we're controlling them well we're dominating we're incisive and we look very very good and that is the most important thing results are obviously it's a a results-based business and if we're playing shit football but we get fifth or fourth this season you know that puts you in a different echelon and bracket that you could then have conversations about mm. what to do moving forward but yep. the fact that we have now started to play consistently good football across 90 minutes as well because one thing you could levy is in previous matches we haven't done that so this is a big step in proving that we can consistently maintain this level of form and yep. that is a massive positive for me moving forward when it comes to supporting the project almost yeah because i think it's it's giving me both things it's just it's giving me both things it's giving me the result and the performance there's no hang up in my mind about this result and that's why i'll forget about it exactly and and that's that's i think it it, it kind of goes into the ether a little bit but but lessons should definitely be taken from and i think those are those that you've outlined are, are definitely true i i also think these are the types of games where people look at that result and they go Oh well, of, oh, you know, of course. And it's actually like no, we like we should really take these as as symbols of of where, how we're moving forward as a team. This is a really important step in the development of this team. This isn't sort of a, a and of course, you know, that's the way Arsenal have always been, and we've just been shaky in big games type sort of lazy analysis. Actually, mm-hmm. if we're looking at the development of this current Arsenal team, not sort of ideas that we have of previous teams. This, these are the types of games where we'd get bullied, we would get caught out, we'd get, we'd be sleepy post Boxing Day, you know, like type type thing, and that that mm. would actually happen. So, it's a it's a sign for me of progress. And, and we saw that, we saw that, we saw they tried to turn it into a fight. They tried to turn it into mm. a fight, and so what we did is we just moved the ball, and we moved it quickly, and we scored from it, and that yeah. automatically shifted the game. Definitely, and I think in the kind of discussion around. It's a very good point, and another one in in that kind of wheelhouse. Um, another <laughs> another thing that could have happened to an older Arsenal, and another sort of sign I see of a, of a progression in in sort of the team and how we handle ourselves, is this Aubameyang thing and the lack of chat about it. If you're captain and you're say you know two years ago we leave out Aubameyang in this way, and I appreciate you know time's moved on, he's moved on as a player, we don't rely on him as much. But I think two, three years ago, the way this would have been handled media-wise and in terms of, you know, we wouldn't have gone out, I don't think, I mean, as consistent as we are being right now under this Arteta team because we hadn't got to this point yet. There'd be lots of questions and the Aubameyang thing becomes a lightning rod. 
And suddenly you're going out into games and all the commentators are talking about, all the pundits are talking about pre-game. It's all about Aubameyang. It's all about, well, are they going to get him back? And they're not performing particularly well. I watched a Sky Sports thing just before that. And I always think like Sky Sports is like a good middle of the road barometer for like what most people are probably talking about in terms of outside the kind of Arsenal bubble. And all they were talking about, mate, was the young players giving their stats about, you know, how many under 21 players we have scoring, you know, like score like 52% of our goals or something like that. You know, talking about these these things that we we see the progression of. And I think another great thing and another sign of progression um, of Arsenal and the perception of Arsenal is this thing that the the kind of the lack of chat. I think sometimes that's that's an interesting thing to say. There's another stat that I think kind of fits into this as well, which is that Arsenal are, I think since Mikel Arteta came in, Arsenal have the most amount of red cards in the league. Now, you could definitely take a perspective on that of a, of a lack of discipline. And there's probably a conversation to be had about that. I don't think that's particularly where I want to go with this, but there is a conversation to be had about that. My point on that is actually what there's going to be in, in any form of life. If you're in life as a person starting to set a bit more, ba- like a few more boundaries with people, trying like say at work, like you're being like, no, 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 I'm going to leave at 5 p.m. Like you guys don't get to like take advantage of me. I know I, I stay an extra half an hour. I don't get paid, but actually I'm going to set a boundary. Those first couple of months of doing that, there's going to be a bit of friction. There's going to be a bit of sort of changed expectations of like, oh, well, you used to say beyond 5 p.m. I don't know you're not doing that. You know, you're not, you're not doing this sort of thing that I expect you to. But eventually you settle into it. And I think that's what's happening with Arsenal on a kind of grander scale in a sporting sense, where basically the perception of Arsenal used to be that we're basically, you can kick us out of the game. And there are a few teams, like probably like the Norwiches and the Burnley, so I imagine still have that in the back of their mind. Probably you can kick Arsenal out of the game. I now look at this team and I think that disciplinary thing has been a bridging thing where actually we've been getting stronger. We've been we've been stopping ourselves being bullied and we're saying, no, you can't do that to us anymore. And I see a team who are smart, you know, we, and we see the thing last week with Tommy Asu when he body checks that guy. We see Martinelli rolling the ball away and there's the kind of dark art side of it. But also there's moments in the in the game today where we didn't lose our heads. There's a question over Xhaka, but again, he, I think he's part of a slightly older version. But the Ben Whites, the the Sackers, the, hmm. the Martinellis, they don't rise to it anymore. They just go, you're not going to bully us. We're not going to do that. We'll play We'll play better. And that's not going to happen. So all of these things, I think, are, are indicators of a, of a progression for Arsenal that I really, I really like and I really think is, is becoming of a top team. That was a really long point, um, sorry, but I think no, 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 I, no. I hope that will make sense. I, it does, and I and I agree to a certain extent. I think some of the red cards we've had are from, you know, Granite Xhaka's just lack of tackling technique. Uh and then, you know, Pepe, there's the headbutt, there's the you know, there's there's been a few red cards that have been lash out moments from those types of players that that I don't think fit under this scenario. And then you got that stupid David Luiz one against Wolves. But um I uh it's yeah, you you can see it in the players. You can see it in moments like where it, uh, I think it's is it the moment that Xhaka gets the yellow no 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 it's the moment where they're they I think he's their left winger um chest bumps Ben White and gets a yellow card for it. Mm. And you watch uh, Saka and other players just like push him away. Like, what are you doing? And, and, but none of them are intimidated by it. 
No. Like all of them are you just don't staring. Get rattled in the way no, we used to. all of, all of them are just staring him down, and that's that's a massive, massive positive. On those moments, I think the referee had a decent game because I don't think either of those two cards should have been yellow cards. But the important th- thing that he did that we cry out for as football fans is consistency. He yellow carded Jacker. I'm pretty sure. I'm not even sure if Jacker was involved in that that moment. I'm that he got the yellow card for but because of that mm. he then yellow carded the other player and it was it was a fair kind of almost exchange if you can call it yeah. that Placetta I think is it or Placetta yeah um, and we we turned it on because, well, I, I, I don't even think we turned it on because of it we were already on but I think instead of I think there's two two types of people in the world in, in scenarios like this there are people that thrive off of that kind of energy and proving people wrong. Aaron Ramsdale being one of them. Uh, And then there are people who crumble under that. And I think for a long time, like you say, we have been a team full of mentalities that would crumble under that. Mm. Probably since the, you know, that Invincibles days, you know, you think probably between 2009, 2010 onwards to now, we've, we've been a team that just crumble under any sort of pressure. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a confidence in 10 out of the 11 players not to lose their heads. And that's a massive, massive thing. And that's yep. a real positive moving forward. And and a fight and a fight for the team as well. There was a point in the second half where the camera cut to Arteta and he says that's four times to the assistant because on the, I think, Williams and Saka. Now, Saka was giving it just as much as Williams was, but it's great to see again this like fight for each other, which is, is just not mm-hmm. been there. Um. So yeah, the I mean lineups are much of a muchness. They, they've been they've been pretty consistent recently, but obviously we had Ben White today um, in for Tomiyasu. I think it's a sign of the squad building that that's that's I'm um, you know we have four right backs out and are supposedly or maybe maybe not, but certainly a, a far down the list option of Ben White a right back. I felt really comfortable with. Um, yeah, I mean that's also that's also an injury. That's that is an injury and COVID thing. So I'm pretty sure. Maitland Niles, Cedric, and Tommy Asu were all out today. They were all unavailable yes. for selection. So, uh, whether they, I think if Cedric was available for selection, we would have seen it at right back. But this is a positive showing that hopefully Arteta has seen that in future, if Tommy Asu does go down, it's probably better to play Ben White at right back because I think the drop off in a, in, if you just talk about ability, not even just rec- like in terms of qualities, if you just talk about p- ability like a percentage, Ben White probably offers a much higher percentage of what Tommy Yasu offers than, say, um, Cedric does, for one. And then mm. also, Rob Holding absolutely offers a higher percentage of what Ben White offers than Cedric does on that right hand uh, for the same conversation on the right back. So it's not yep. percentage wise, it's not that far of a drop off to stick Rob holding at center back and shift Ben white, which I think would be the better move moving forward. It would, would have been interesting to see if Callum chambers would have started though, because I think he stylistically is probably the most alike version mm. of Tommy Yasu. Um, and I would have liked to have seen him start if he was obviously um, COVID free. Uh, but you know, we don't do yeah. if buts and maybes. <laughs> do absolutes. No, definitely. But I, I I think it's nice to have a similar stylistic option there. And like, 
you know, looking at Ben, uh, Benjamin, sorry, uh, looking at Benjamin White in, in that kind of first period, I mean, he, uh, you know, overall in this game, he, he, he won five aerial duels. He looked really comfortable moving forward. He, I think I thought he underlapped really well, which is something that Tommy Asu does. Um, he's got the two feet in the, in the same way that Tommy Asu does as well. But I think the, the biggest thing is that we're building a team and a squad where there is technical ability all over the, all over the pitch and that doesn't drop off. And I think, you know, that the, we are moving past the idea that, you know, when, when Liverpool, when Firmino drops out, there isn't a huge technical drop off. There may be an experience drop off mm-hmm. at Man City. You know, when, when someone comes out, there may be an experience drop, but they may be not even be their first choice. But what you don't get is the actual, how good are they at football drop off, you know, mm-hmm. coming, coming as, as much as it used to, you know, when a party drops out, you have a Sambi coming in. Now, Sambi has a long way to go. There's lots of things to develop in his game, but is he technically secure? Yes. And that allows us to play the football that we want to play. So it's really nice for me to see like, you know, Tommy Asu, who's been a massive, you know, um, component of this team and a, and a really important part of this team, him dropping out doesn't mean we just completely change shape in the way we did at the end of last game. You know, I'm not, I, I think to your point, I'm not sure Cedric would yeah. have started um, because I um, just, I, I think he changes how we, how we work. And that's because you can't rely on the technical ability as much. And that's, and that's a real yeah. concern. Uh, I, the only reason I think I'd point to Cedric starting would have been, uh, or may, or even if Chambers was was the only one fit starting, is because it's more their natural position, and I think that Arteta probably likes having that settled back too, in mm-hmm. in White and and Gabriel. Um, I think he trusts holding though. I I really do. I really do. And one thing I noticed uh, being pitch side for one of the games recently is Holding's technical ability is a lot better than people give him credit for because Mm. he was bought from Bolton and because you know it was a young English lad a nominal fee everyone sees him as this kind of uh, maybe it was the hairline last season but this this kind of back to the wall centre back and he's actually really decent with the ball at his feet um, so I, I, I think putting Ben White at right back from now on, if Tommy Asu's out and Rob Holding at centre back, will allow Arsenal to play ninety five percent of the way that we like to, which is what yeah. we need to consistently be doing moving yeah. forward, building that style. Yeah, and that's how identities form. That's how teams form is by not having to completely change when when personnel change you know comes not having to completely shift to your principles of play mm-hmm. which i think at times we've had to do um just from a squad building perspective and that's and that's been fine um so yeah it's getting on and and also i mean my my only real gripe with arteta this game because i thought you know there's not much you can criticize in terms of the setup and the result the results the result like you know what can you say my only real um gripe would have been around substitutions because i thought and kind of rotation because I thought it's a bit strong for Norwich and I thought we substituted a bit late. From what I have heard and from what I've seen on Twitter and from those who know, they said that Arsenal basically had an indication that the Wolves game was going to be suspended pre-game. So they pr- they're pretty sure it was going to be suspended, which makes a bit more sense of the late substitutions, mm-hmm. which makes a bit more sense of the lack of rotation. So, you know... There's <laughs> one... Sub- the only substitution that doesn't make sense for me, though, is, is taking Thomas Partey off because... Wouldn't Wolves be the last game that he plays if before Afcon? Yeah, yeah. I think he's had quite a lot of minutes, and I always worry about Party's fitness. I think you know he's not 
he doesn't feel to me like the most robust player in the world. So I, I don't know. I honestly, what I would be fascinated in is to have an explainer of why each substitution is made from the manager. That is something we rarely get. Sometimes we get yeah. you know, selection decisions, but we rarely ever get, why did you take that player off? Because, and, or, or certainly not as often as the other, the other way around. Um, and I sometimes do think with Arteta's um, decisions in that, I, I often just go like, why? Like I can guess and I can, I can hang on. You know what I was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> too late. Um, I, you know, I can I can guess and I can go. I think that's what what's happened there, but I rarely am sure. And I think again, we we've kind of criticised our tetra substitutions in the past, and maybe today is not the day to do that. But I do think there's a development to go there where it doesn't always feel like he makes the obvious choice. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. But maybe he's, there's maybe a... doesn't want to. You know, like what's obvious to me is not obvious to him. So I don't. I, don't I, I I also think that there's some learning that needs to be done about. When the game's won, the game's won, and that's probably the time to make the decision. At three nil, mm. they were coming back, and we're not, we're not exactly going to mess with that back five when it comes to substitutions, unless it's injuries. So yeah. I think the game was won after that third goal. Yeah, that and then was, I just think for me, off, yeah, you know I mean, that <laughs> for like me was off, when, need it. yeah, you, I would have literally taken the front, the 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 three behind the striker off. I'd have taken off mm. Saka, Erdegaard, and. Martinelli because they are the three that do the most probably prob- probably the most running and hard yards for Arsenal or most at least most sprints in some cases and they are the three that are if we lose Lacazette I don't think that will hit us as hard for example as if we lost Saka or if we lost Erdegaard or if we lost Martinelli at the moment mm. though I think Laka has been a very, very decent performer and offers us, you know, something that not a lot of the strikers we have at the club do. But with the game and the way that the the other three play it, they're the ones who are most likely to get fatigue issues and muscle issues. And I'm just thinking if it's a rest thing, just get the three of them off. We've got, we had Pepe, Smithrow and um, somebody else on the bench. And I was like, just get them on. Just, just mm. what, what, like for, for me, it just, it doesn't make sense. Especially when party, I don't think will now play the next game for Arsenal because of Afcon. Mm. So that yeah. that decision for El Neni just and and that's a that's a seeing out the game decision. You're bringing on El Neni to press and to to keep us to keep us solid. But I mean, yeah, I, I even when El Neni wasn't on the pitch, it's, it's not like Norwich were looking as if they were getting a sniff. So some again, <laughs> I, I think I concur with you that um, that. There, it would be really interesting to have a breakdown post every game of why those decisions and substitutions were made. I just think that's far too much hassle. That's never going to happen. Well, this time last year, you were having a breakdown after every game, so maybe that maybe that'd be a different type. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we we know how how far in the trenches we were with the fact that the Telegraph wrote an article about how Arsenal had planned for the disaster of relegation. Yeah, and now they're writing about comparing us with Lamazia and saying Erdegaard's from our academy. Bless him. Um, first goal, good. <laughs> uh, something, something. There you go. Analysis, <laughs> guys. If you listen to not podcast, they're really good. Thank um, you. Yeah. For listening to yeah, the podcast, we will be back after <laughs> this commercial break. Um, yeah, good. Uh, in terms of the closing down, and I think the the desire, um, Martinelli. I think a, another one of his great strengths in the wide areas that Aubameyang just doesn't have. And sorry to compare him to Aubameyang, but that's who we've had a lot of the time there, or what Smith Rowe. Mm-hmm. 
can do but offers us less kind of attacking threat or kind of um well maybe doesn't who knows but you know in terms of clinical finishing but um in terms of sort of runners in behind let's say that mm-hmm. um something he does offer in the wide areas is actually his technical security has improved so much and we were trying to hit Saka early on um and trying to get the ball out to him and because i think he's you know he, he can always isolate his, his left back but what martinelli's developing on the other other hand side is 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 really interesting and i think shouldn't be it shouldn't be thrown away with the discussions about you know how good he is in behind and how his movement and stuff that he's actually really good on the ball and you see in that first and 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 how much he tracks back and how much he's able to keep the ball in tight spaces it doesn't happen in that first goal um well he gives it to Lacazette but it's a pretty simple pass but actually if you watch him overall i really feel a a development in his game coming um in terms of how good he's in those small spaces. And that comes mm-hmm. from training. That comes from small-sided games. That comes from rondos. That comes from just doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again until you're just better in those small spaces. And having someone like that on both wings allows us to keep the ball on both wings, which we've never been able to do, and then help arrives. Now, in this case, for the goal, Martinelli closes him down. But I don't see other players operating in those wide areas, and that's why I highlight it. Um, it's a good ball in. Uh, Martinelli picks it back up. Erdogan picks out Saka, and then it's it's a it's a it's a good finish. Um, I think the keeper could probably do better, but I mean, had a bit of a nightmare. Um, yeah, I just I, I the first sort of first period of the game was was um, to me was characterised by that by that uh, I see it in my head now. The kind of the two sides were able to hold onto the ball there and mm. and progress and progress with the players. Another thing that we do, which I want to highlight which I love and something that's really developing. We have bemoaned many times our kind of lack of centrality on this podcast. And I think what we're finding now is a real centrality. And one thing that we do that I think is is really is developed in our game. Centre-back picks up the ball. Gabriel has the most amount of touches most games or Ben White. Uh, he certainly did today. Ben White usually does, but actually a lot of the time it's Gabriel. What we do now is the centre-back fires it into often Lacazette, who's got his back to goal. Sometimes it's Erdegaard, <clears throat> occasionally it's Xhaka or Party, And they immediately, with the back to goal, give uh, give a sort of a wall pass back to either a Party or a Xhaka or whoever's there. And it's really hard to defend these triangles in the middle where the ball gets played through the lines, quickly fizzed, before anyone gets time to break it down. Someone's knocked it off to someone else and we're through and there's space. And it's something that I've I've watched Thomas Partey is, is a particularly good proponent of that in, in all areas, actually, in terms of receiving it, knocking it off and actually progressing it through um, and physically being on the ball, progressing it. And I I think it's a real superpower that's developing in our midfield. It's really hard to defend. And I I, I love the patterns that are appearing mm-hmm. in this team. Like, I think it's 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 so nice to see. No, absolutely. Um, I think that as well, because with those fizzed balls and, and then... With those fizz balls. I don't know why that's made me laugh. Um, <laughs> balls? Balls. Definitely it's it's a balls game. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on. Um, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's also the fact that not only do that does that first line lose sight of the ball, but then the back line sometimes will step up and yep. like you say, those, those kind of movement, movements and quick interchanges automatically create space in behind, create space out on the wings, and it puts us in advantageous positions after three passes and so, so quickly. Yep. 
the fact that we're seeing that also on a more regular occasion makes me again positive because I go, okay, this is the plan. This is drilling. This isn't players pulling it out of their ass and doing what yep. they want because it, we're seeing it again With and again and again. So almost like, you know, last season when we had Willian at false nine and we were basically just seeing the left winger to the left back, the left back to the left centre back mm. and just that a whole U shape. And then again, yep. and then again, we're seeing better patterns now and better interchanges and also more, and like you say, more triangles because having those triangles allows you to isolate other players and take them out of the game with just quick, clever passing. So there's there's so 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 many positives to move forward with this team. Yeah, I know. I, I genuinely I was thinking about it before we came on. I was like, was there a negative to that performance? There was one or two. Uh, I think there was a few moments where where Jacker um and there was one moment where I think he was passing the ball out to Tierney under no pressure at all, just massively mm. overhits it. Um, and I think that there there was a couple of uh, moments where the ball was fired into Lacazette, where the touch was a bit loose and, and he lost it. But other, but what I think one thing to notice is, as an uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to call us analysts or but as critics is when you're having to delve that deep. And looking at that specific type of stuff, those specific singular moments to pick on something that's bad, that's a very good yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a symptom of something good. Yeah. It's a symptom of something good because if there are only those little bits that you're picking up on, oh, a little bit of a loose touch here, an overhit pass there, the rest is ticking well. And so often we get bogged down in those things. And I, I, you know, I still think Xhaka needs upgrading because I think that he will cost you points over the course of the season just with bad tackling technique and being a bit brain dead sometimes. Um, but uh, or as a squad player or, or, you know, as an experienced head, even though he can be completely mind-bogglingly stupid at points, he's, he's a good footballer for a, for a team, you know? I think if we had a situation like Chelsea where we were absolutely stacked in the midfield and Xhaka say, like Jorginho, doesn't play every single minute of football for them, mm. that would make him far more effective for us. But he's just, like you say, he's a bit of a diesel engine. If you can't, if if you don't play him 100% of the time, he kind of falls apart. Yeah. Good game by numbers today. Three key passes, 93.6% yeah. pass accuracy. I want to go back to your first point though. The, I think as well on that, you can't fizz balls through the middle with the lack of space and time you have in the Premier League if you're not sure that the person on the receiving end of it is going to give it back to you. It's not going to lose it centrally, which is a very dangerous place to, 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 to do it. So when you have, you know, an Aubameyang who, you know, for all his abilities, he doesn't have really that kind of first touch. You, you can't quite do that. When you don't have an Erdegaard in there, if instead you have, you know, whoever, <laughs> pick you on, Willian or whatever it might be. You know, gone are the days of Theo Walcott and Olivier Danny Giroud. Sabayos you know, toe poking it and falling over the ball. Like, you know, we have a team of people who are, <laughs> spoiler alert, really good at football. Like that, and, and you know, it's like no surprise. Like technically good at football. Like, that's exactly, that's yeah. exactly it. And, and I think that is so, it is the most, if I could pick one thing for a player to have, it's technical ability. And you see, you know, the players that Arteta is picking out from the academy are the most technical players. They're the Charlie Patinos, they're the Emil Smith Rose, they're the Bukayo Sackers. They're not physical, necessarily physical, um, 
machines in any way. They are people who are just very, very tidy on the ball. Martin Odegaard, you know, that that is the type that he likes. Um, it's in that sort of, you know, certainly in the in the central zones and in the in the attacking zones, well, all over the pitch. So yeah, I I I just think you know having better players allows us to play better football. So so simple, mm-hmm. but it's so true. Um, second goal. By the way, did you? <laughs> I, I'm not sure anyone else heard it on the stream, but there was um uh, a moment where Party missed a header. I think after the first goal, and he literally went. Ah! <laughs> did you hear it? No, it killed me. <laughs> he just completely just spooned a header and goes, ah! It was, uh, it was enjoyable. Um, also, I mean, insert my Premier League streaming rant. Sorry, but um, just pissed me off. Anyway, I won't go, won't go into that. Um, Norwich, I think after the first goal, slightly came back into the game. They were getting a bit closer in the press, giving us less space. Um, I thought Martinelli Start, was really yeah. helping us out in the recovery to deal with that. Um, I think when when their energy raised, his energy kind of raised. Um, and we got a bit a bit more out of him tracking back. Um, and uh, the second goal is another great early goal assist. I mean, what a pick out to Tierney! It's absolutely unbelievable, and it all comes um, from from Martinelli tracking back. He picks it up, mm-hmm. he plays it into Erdegaard. Erdegaard turns, plays it out to Tierney, and uh, it's it's a properly good finish from from Tierney. Yeah, and when you consider the amounts of money that's spent in the Premier League and and spent by Arsenal or spent by anyone, you think, you know, picking up Martin Odegaard for thirty million pounds. God is good. That what does that buy you in the market? Like we're talking about how if we want to go Alex out because yeah, I mean, it's literally the same price as Alex Awobi, except from Alex Awobi has add-ons that could take it up to £40 million. You know, we're talking about needing an elite level striker that's going to cost us £60, £70 million. Martin Odegaard absolutely has the potential to be probably the best number 10 in the world. And we picked him up for less than we paid for Skodran Mustafi. Like I, I think that piece of business goes massively, massively under the radar from mm. the club. And that is a big props to to Mikel and to Edu on the negotiating side of things or whoever was doing that, because that that deal we we offered Lambast Arsenal selling players for far too less money and buying them for far too much. Mm. We've got an absolute bargain on our hands. Definitely. Definitely. And and, and I think he he's growing into, you know, the game at all times. I want to read out his game by numbers: uh, seventy-five touches, eighty-seven point three percent accuracy, two assists, three key passes, hundred um, percent success on long balls, hundred percent dribble success, um, three ground jewels, one out of five. You know, he he's also he's the kind of player that's everywhere. You know, he's always available. He's always working hard. There's a moment um, that I'm thinking of where he, I think he goes down and someone puts it out. And he gets back up and he kind of gets to his feet and then you watch him shake it off and then you watch him absolutely sprint. And sometimes I think with the perspective of, of a TV camera, you can't quite see how hard someone's working. But when you get them in, in just like a, a still shot, like a single shot of them, you can see him absolutely pay it just to get back, just to be just to be able to be to, uh, to receive the ball. Um, like it's not it's not a special moment. He's not you know running forward to get on the end of a chance. He's running back to be available for someone to pass to him. And, you know, he's the sort of player that just fucking loves football it's another part of this 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 team that i love is there's so many players in this team who i think just love football like martinelli ramsdale gabriel Erdegaard. like these guys 
you can tell just live and breathe. Smith Rowe, Saka to an extent, I think probably probably less so, but to an extent, just live and breathe football. And and it shows in the in the passion in terms of their execution. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can't you can't really ask for any more. Um after half time, did you am I the only one who saw Rob Holding do a roulette? <laughs> did you see that? Yes. No, I don't <laughs> think I did. Fucking hell. There's a moment where I think he was on the recovery he did a roulette and Shaka was pulling out the sugar Benito fucking hell it was <laughs> so stupid um, another uh, underrated part of this game as well was how well we restricted the shots from Norwich um, I don't actually know the stats on how many shots they had but I think you know it's that thing of if you have the the ball they had yeah four shots to our 16 um, and only two on target like if you have the the ball in their half and you hold on to it on that technical ability that we have you keep keep it in the patterns keep it rotating keep it moving you are not going to allow the opponents to have many shots and it's a simple game at that point if you can't get the ball off us you can't do anything and i think that's another underrated aspect of this team you know and i appreciate it's norwich and you know caveat 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 but actually it's a really underrated aspect of it because in other games, you know, this is a, this is a team that United was struggling against and allowing them all sorts of chances and allowing them to create all sorts of problems. And you know, the result hides many things. And actually, in this game, that result does not flatter us. You know, it's 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 exactly what what should have been yeah. done. Both the five in terms of going forward, but also the zero going backwards. They had absolutely nothing, and that's testament to our defensive shape testament to our ability to hold on to the ball rather than really any our ability of you know tackling or duels or anything it didn't feel like that sort of game it just felt like we didn't lose the ball and we we didn't allow them to do anything um and that is a a nice feeling it's a really nice feeling yeah and it's it's especially brought out when you look at the xg they are 0.19 xg for the whole game <laughs> so it's, we outperformed it's it right often, we were 2.65 yeah. Yeah, but oftentimes when we when we when I find that we have these conversations, both um, oh, what am I trying to say? Both narratives don't align. The eye test and the stats don't align. We'll be like, oh, we looked really. I I don't know if that's just confirmation bias or because of the conversation we're having. But sometimes I feel like we have a conversation and we're like, oh, you know, I feel like we were really solid defensively and we didn't give them mm. a sniff, and they had an xG of like one point six. But it's good to see, and this has happened in the last few games as well. Not only does the kind of the narrative that the eye test gives you is borne out statistically as well, you know, and, yeah. and that's a really important marriage and symmetry. And that is that is also how you tell that you're doing the right thing and you are correct almost in what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah mate, honestly, it's it's getting to a point where if this again if this continues i don't think that we could i think that this is what mikel arteta's arsenal wants to be and is trying mm-hmm. to be and whilst for in my opinion it's taken a bit too long to get here that we can't change that we can't change last season we can't change the early results of this season or performances but if this is what it's going to be like moving forward then choo-choo on the on the Arteta train like let's let's go because he's back <laughs> he's back on the Arteta train I'm still hesitant Unbelievable. I'm, I'm still I'm still you know I'm still I still think that you know Norwich isn't as big a test as as some games coming up January will be really important for us to see whether we have learned from the mistakes of the start of the season but I'm not afraid 
Like, I'm not afraid. Whereas, like, in, in you know, previous games, in that West Ham game I, I that we where we played them off the park, for me, I really thought we were going to lose and lose badly. And I wasn't looking forward to it. Hmm. We've got City and Liverpool coming up. I think we've got Spurs coming up as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that we can at least put in a good performance, maybe snatch a result at a few points. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's a very exciting time, mate. And, you know, we look at the what's coming up behind as well in terms of the, you know, Bettina on the bench and, and, and all sorts of, you know, and we, we forget, you know, and my note for the third goal, actually, good, good, good segue, Brad. My note for the third goal is just Bukayo Saka, 20 years old. He can do that at 20 years old. So what is this guy going to be at 22? What is this guy going to be at 26, 28? You know, like, where is he going to be? Get the new contract. Get it done now. Well, yeah, get it done yesterday, of course. You know, um, and, you know, we're hearing rumblings that that's happening. And I'm, sh- I'm sure it will. I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll sign at least one more contract to Arsenal. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, there is, you can talk all you like about systems and, you know, you know, transfer business and chat all the shit in the world you want about football and who's right and who's wrong and all this. There's so much chat about football, which we're a part of and is beautiful. In the end, if you have a player who can just stick it on their left and stick it in the bottom corner, it doesn't matter at the end of it because you'll win football matches. And that's what Bukai Saka does for you. And and to have found a player out of our academy with that level of ability at that age, if we handle this correctly. He's the sort of player that, along with a few others, why can't we be challenging? You know, in in a couple of years' time, like what? Who says? Absolutely, he's I, got no, that I ability. Agree. Like, like what? Who? If he's doing it now, like it's not it's not a case of sort of potential that he needs to fulfil. If, for example, Saka was doing this at you know twenty six, twenty seven, I'd be going well. I hope he kind of takes that next step. Guy's twenty. It's unbelievable. Like, and I think we. You know, we get, kind of get used to him, and I and I keep every time we talk about Saka, I'm like, no, let's not get used to this. The fact that this is not normal; these stats are no. not normal for people. And you know, and coming on to another person, Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe is the first player in Arsenal's history to score in four. My abilities at the moment. Shut up, Siri. Um, it, <laughs> he said that may be beyond my abilities at the moment. Smith Rowe is the first player in Arsenal's history to score in four consecutive su- substitute appearances, while Arsenal have had a sub score in four successive mas- matches for just a third time, previously doing so in September 2004, run of five under Wenger, and July 2020, a run of four under Arteta. There is a not only a, a brilliant first 11, but a brilliant squad being built here. And, and on Smith Rowe, and you know, he takes the goal fantastically. I don't think there's much to talk about, particularly with that. But the, the it looks the offside, option. doesn't it? Just a little bit. Do you know what? Is, I, immediately, it, I thought it was onside. I thought it was. I thought but, it was offside. I think it looks a little offside. Well, the I lines, the, the lines favour us, my friend. The lines favour us um, for once. But I, I think there's a role that the squad can play in this, and having someone like Smith Rowe, I, I think Smith Rowe's superpower. If Sackers is like his ball retention and his ability to beat a man and to create a half a yard of space. Smith Rose is, is just the fact that he speeds up games. And we were sat here exactly a year ago today looking at the fruits of that. And when you've got tired legs, when you've got people who are, um, you know, huffing and puffing 
and you bring on Smith Rowe, what he every action he gets into every action a lot quicker, which is why I think he's been so successful. I think in the last, you know, he scored three, whatever that stat was. You know, he's scoring on these substitute appearances, and I think part of that is his is kind of his special ability, basically the way I see it, that he can come on and speed up a game, whatever in whatever state it, mm. it's in. It might go from zero to five, but it also might go from five to ten. And he basically wins a, Arsenal a penalty as well, you know. As yeah, much absolutely. as Lacazette uses his body cleverly to get the ball shielded so the defender takes him out, it's 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 a Smith throw assist. Like yeah. he, that pass is is unbelievable. And, you know, he's got two goals in his last 21 minutes of professional football. And like was proved on our Christmas uh, special episode with the 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 top 10 question about the top 10 goal scorers during the invincible season obviously you had the Thierry Henry's and then the Robert Perez who were the top two mm. but you also had you know so, uh, whoever like Edu chipping in Lumba Reyes. chipping in Reyes chipping in with like three goals here four goals here nine goals here when we get that 20 Premier League goal a season striker in this 11 mm. there is if 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 this team keeps performing the way it currently is there is no reason that Arsenal can't challenge definitely definitely uh, okay, yeah like it's it's so true what else was proved on the Christmas quiz Brad that uh, that rigging still exists <laughs> my friends <laughs> at Octogood was fuming he was fuming. Alex literally said on a podcast that one of his, his special abilities was squad numbers. And then surprise, surprise, squad numbers pops up yeah. in the quiz. Shameful. You're bitter. If you're listening, Andy, if you're listening, if you're listening, shameful. He's not, he's, he's not bitter. Uh, anything else on the game, Brad? Um, no, no. Brilliant. Good stuff. Arsenal 5, Norwich Dale. We'll see you. After this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review. Or you can you can leave us a review on Spotify now. You can give us a five-star review or one star if you hate us. That's fine. Be a bit weird for you to be 50 minutes into a podcast and hate it, but fair enough. Um, leave us a review if you can. Uh, and please if you like, do. You can, please. You can do it. it does help us out really does uh, and on Apple as well please do that uh, and if you like you can support us on Patreon where you get access to ad free and filmed versions of the podcast for just £5 a month Brad £5 wow and for one time support head to buymeacoffee.com where you can buy me a coffee anything you can give helps the podcast the links are in the show description we've had quite a few views this week Brad Ooh. quite a few um, I tweeted something about Xhaka, which uh, at Tiki Taka Connor um, retweeted. And we've got such views as at David123Smith, who says, Xhaka is world-class and always has been. And we have one from Joel Osteen, needs to die, who says he's atrocious. <laughs> so there you go. Well, <laughs> that is just Granit Xhaka summed up in, in No, what tweets. that is, is Twitter summed up. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just, just literally I, in the, the same. The thing, the, the thing is, is I do think that also sums up Granite Xhaka. He will be 
amazing in a game. Brilliant. Will be threading balls down that left-hand side, be playing to the peak of his powers, and then he will kick someone in the face and get sent off. Or he will play an absolute hospital pass across the centre of the park. That's Xhaka's issue has never, has always been that he's just a bit of an idiot sometimes. Yeah, so that's why he needs replacing. It's it's nothing to do with his ability. At Arsenal Fresh uh, sums it up perfectly. So I think he's correctly rated by everyone. Could have been a truly exceptional player if he had a brain as well as a left foot, as well as a right foot, I presume he means. Yeah, um, which absolutely. I think, absolutely. You know, is basically how you sum it up. Though, uh, though, always, though, though always... actually, there was one thing that I noticed in this game. Do what was you it, remember? Do you remember the, the Burnley game that we drew one all because he played... He, he, has to try he plays that oh, awful the pass by the throat. no 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 where he plays the awful pass basically into Chris Wood yes and then there was another there was another one where he pl- I think he plays the ball straight back to Leno which then like we it basically well Leno plays the ball into him that, um, and because he needs to take it on his left hand side he takes the extra touch and loses the ball yep. there's a moment where he receives the ball from Ramsdale in the same space and mm-hmm. clips a lovely ball with his right foot straight over to Ben White. That is obviously mm. something he's now been practicing. And that is an yep. important thing to note that we're noticing the weaknesses of our players and trying to improve them to the best that they can be improved. Yep. And that is I a shout out to the coaching staff of the coaching team, because as soon as I saw that, I went, that is amazing that we're doing that. Yeah, that's a great pick up, mate, because that is that is exactly what coaches and football managers are for, like, you know, to, to yeah. iron out those things. I think sometimes there is a there is a kind of perception of players of like, well, they're this and they're never going to change. Well, in the same way that everyone changes constantly all the time, like, you know, you, you're you always picking new things up. You should be able to work on something like it's mm-hmm. it's not, you know, no one is ever completely finished. There's a probably capacity that reduces as you get older, but you can still work on things. Um, and yeah, that's that's exactly what they're for. So. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've just had everyone be like, he's shit, he's bad, he's shit, he's bad, he's shit, he's bad, he's amazing, he's amazing, he's amazing. <laughs> uh, the only bit of news that I think is probably worth a good old discussion, uh, Fabrizio Romano has tweeted uh, today, let me just get exactly what he says. Do you want to read out on his voice? Uh, I'm about to tweet the here we go. Okay, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, AS Roma are in advanced talks to sign Ainsley Maitland-Niles on loan with buy option from Arsenal, as confirmed by Damasio. Negotiations ongoing. Talks opened a few days ago, as reported on his podcast, which I won't promote. AS Roma are offering a six-month loan deal for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, plus buy option around €10 million. Jose Mourinho wants him. Players open to accept. Negotiations are still ongoing with Arsenal to reach the agreement on loan fee, buy option, and final price. Interesting Mourinho wants him. Um, Uh... You want to go, mate? Yeah, I don't think this is a good move. I don't think the fee is okay, good enough. I think I think with English players, sell them in England, you'll get a higher price and a higher premium. Ainsley Maitland-Niles would go into an Everton's midfield, would go into a lot of middling Premier League sides midfields. And because he is English and you will get uh, him count towards your homegrown contingent, you will fetch a higher price in England than you would abroad. Um, so I don't see the point in selling him abroad, especially when you're selling him abroad for, you know, 10, 10 million euros. You you would easily get that from a Premier League club just because he's English, let alone the fact he's English and he's actually quite talented. So I think it should, if, if we are going to loan him out, which I also think isn't, isn't 
really, we've got a thin squad anyway, and some of our players have been susceptible to injury recently. And also with with everything that's going on with COVID and with the ability to four of your players get this and then you're missing four players for your next game within the space of a day. I don't think it's smart squad management. Um, he's under contract. He's proved that he can come in like when he did. Uh, who was it against and got man of the match? Like, and and perform really, really well. Uh, I, I, oh, I, don't, I know this season, the Premier League, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah, yeah I, I just... If we're going to sell him, just sell him in the summer. There's no, there, there's no point in this deal. Arsenal don't benefit from it, but there is a risk that Arsenal um, lose from this situation. And uh, I, 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 10 million euros is a fee you'll get in the summer. So why are you... It's the same with the the Dinas Mavropanos situation that is, is so stupid that they have an option to buy for 3 million euros. And there is talk that he is going to go there and then be sold for 15 to 20 million pounds back to a Premier League club. That's why options to buy, if you are going to insert them into a contract, have to be at very, very good fees. Because otherwise you you might end up in situations like this where, and okay, for maybe a Torreira or a Gwenduzi, somebody you just want out of the club, that's fine. But with a Mavropanos where there's an option that he could progress out there and you could then sell him for more money because centre-backs are always in demand or a Maitland-Niles who's English and so you'll get more money selling him in England because of the homegrown rules. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I understand. And I don't, as I say, you know, we're on a podcast so I'll put the other side of it. I, I don't know exactly where I see it. My question would be... <sighs> Is there something we don't know? That's my Maybe. question. Because, because you know, from today, you know, I was ready to come on here and be annoyed about Arteta's late substitutes and it comes out that Wolves was postponed and then we basically knew that. So, I don't know. If, for example, we plan to bring in a central midfielder in January and that's the first thing we're going to do and it doesn't matter that Midland and are going out and we find out that we're getting a central midfielder in, this deal makes sense to me you know in terms of you know maybe other other people aren't willing to do that he's only got a year left from the summer maybe other people aren't wanting to spend 10 million i don't know maybe the you know maybe the loan fee is good maybe they're going to sweeten it with a three million pound loan fee you know i don't i don't know there's other things we don't yeah. know like that and i'm not saying that's you know it's a bit of my grandmother but um you know maybe but i think the point is we there's a lot we don't know about the situation i suppose what i'd say is in terms of the squad depth I think Maitland-Niles, he's good in the one with your ones and he's quick, got good recovery pace, he's good. You know, I think when he inverted um, in our 3-4-3, three, three, during when we didn't have, basically didn't have Tommy Asu or Smith-Rowe, so we couldn't sort of play the way we wanted to, um, sort of, you know, we, we, we were playing a nice sort of 3-4-3. Three, three. I remember him doing it really well the first game of last season. I think we played Fulham away mm. and he was really good in, on the left-hand side. Um, and he, and he inverts really well and he plays that role really well, but that's not how we play. I think there was a real role for him there. Yeah. I just, I don't, I think his issue has always been versatility and, you know, it's a kind of boring thing to say, but it is. And I think now you look at it and you go, there's two positions where I think Maitland-Niles could really thrive uh, at any kind of club and that would be right back where we've got our long-term option in Tommy Asu or certainly an option that we want for a while um, and looks as though we're going in a certain style in that position. And we've got, you know, if we're bringing in a central midfielder, 
I think it's time for him to move on. Now, look, as as I say, if that's not the case, then I do think mm. why not just wait to the end of the season? But yeah, I think depth wise, there's though, something we if, don't know. Then yeah, with Afcon depth wise, we'd have Party, Xhaka, Sambi, and Maitland Niles, and then if Party and Maitland Niles go, and Xavi Patino, don't forget that. Yeah, but again, he's he is no, unbelievably he's the young. He's the next he, coming of Messi. Know, he, he might be the next coming of Messi at central midfield, but the one thing that Arteta has said is we're going to have to cook him slowly because <laughs> you can ruin a player. You can ruin a player by, by giving him too much too quickly. So we have to be careful with that. And you're looking at a, a, a possibility where if party goes and we get rid of Maitland-Niles we've only got Xhaka and Sambi and then if we only bring in one central midfielder we've got three central midfielders and if one of them gets injured the next in line is an 18 year old Charlie Patino mm. it, and the, the the reason that I, I, I think about it like that is it's not a ridiculous fee if you're talking about it's a loan with an obligation to buy for 20 million pounds absolutely fair enough that makes sense because the money guaranteed there uh in the long term is much better than just keeping him for the extra six months but you're talking about a pittance like it's not mm. a lot of money we could easily get that fee in in the summer for him just to a premier league club because he's english even if he doesn't play a minute of football but if we end up with some covid issues and we're missing players because of covid or we end up with some injury issues just having him in the squad might be useful i just don't see the the benefit of it for them it's as it's the business side of it i don't see the benefit at the price point so what's the point but like you say, for example, if he is one of these bad bad apple characters in the dressing room who is yeah, causing issues, then we have to consider that. Uh, but we, with the cards that we have at hand that we that we can see and and have a discussion about, it doesn't make sense to me. Which is why I think maybe there's either something we don't know, or like you say, there's a plan to bring in one or maybe two central midfielders. There's been talk of. Matthias Svanberg from from Bologna and talk of Renato Sanchez both. <laughs> Who Matthias Svan Svanberg? Yes, Svanberg. I think that's his name from Bologna. There's talk of him, uh, Arsenal being interested in him for about the tune of sixteen to eighteen million euros. And then there's there's talk of of, of us looking at Renato Sanchez for about twenty five million pounds or something. So if we brought in both of them as well as then having Xhaka, Party, and Sambi, we'd be absolutely stacked. And you'd understand getting getting Maitland-Niles out now. But if we're only bringing in one, I think that there's always the option. If we're going to sell him anyway, why, why are we going to... We're not going to... The business side of it doesn't make sense to me with the cards that we have at hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only other version I can think of is, you know, does Maitland-Niles go out on January the 31st when Party and so-and-so are back that's the other version yeah but like yeah uh, do you know what I mean like but again what we do we're, we're doing if butts and maybes do you know what I mean and so we're like, we do absolutes it's, it's quite hard to actually give any kind of definitive answer on it but um yeah I I, I, I don't support him <coughs> I don't um I don't mind that he's leaving I promise I, I don't mind that he's leaving I just yeah I just think it's I hope we do it the right way and don't just like rely on hopes and dreams because we know it's Arsenal and maybe all the stuff that we talked about before is true and we have turned a corner, but 
I'm, there is also a part of me that still is has sort of the bruises yeah. from the banter era, and it feels like such an Arsenal thing to do to go January first, Ainsley Maitland-Niles goes out. January second, Grant Xhaka and Albert Sambi de Conga and Charlie Patino all involved in road bike accidents uh, out to the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? Like it feels like a very Arsenal thing to do. So um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Bradley, Bradley, Brad. Yes, Brad. Yes. We just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time, I got my granddad's year birth year of birth wrong. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Is what happened. But what year did I think my granddad was born? Oil was found in Dubai and white sleeves were first on an Arsenal shirt, Brad and listeners. 1936. Not far off. It was 1933. Oh! Turns out my granddad was born in 1932. So, because it's his 90th next year, bless him. Christ, he's old. Um, next question for next week. I always say next week, but it's, it never works either way, does it? Next time. No. How many helpings of Christmas pudding? No. Which level <laughs> of Youth World How many Cup- family arguments did Brad... <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it? Was there arguments? Oh no, not one. It was just a joke. Okay, that's good. I thought, I thought you can have some some beef for us, Brad. I can imagine you like analysing your grand's movements with your mum. Like, no, no, abs- <laughs> she's got to go. She's got to go. <laughs> Vera has taken us as far as she can take us. <laughs> she's taken the turkey as far as she can. Someone's got to step in now and save Christmas. <laughs> Uh, which level of Youth World Cup did Emil Smith Rowe win with England? Which level of Youth World Cup did Emil Smith Rowe win with England? Was it A, under 16s, B, under 17s, C, under 18s, or D, under 19s? There you go, Brad. Well, you wouldn't be long getting your ankles frost, but would you? <laughs> And I'll play that. I'll play that video at the end. It is. Yeah. Is this? What, what is it? Explain it. I just think it's hilarious. Uh, it's a Northern Irish schoolboy being interviewed about the snowfall in the country, and he's about sixteen, but speaks like a forty-five-year-old man, and it's honestly hilarious. I had to turn the hill up, 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 up to my foot there, just so the soccer go longer. The mother got these old trainer shock things there. Oh, God, you wouldn't be long getting the ankles frostbutt off you. You wouldn't be long getting your ankles frostbutt. <laughs> you know, you have to turn the heel. My mum got the trader socks. Heel? Who's the dude? I'm on the I'm Bologna. I'm so sorry if this, offend- if this is offensive to anyone. Well, yeah, me and Brad just love the Northern, Northern Irish accent. Long before this podcast was even a thing, me and Brad just did the Northern Irish accent, accent to each other at school. It was great, great vibes. Um... Uh, potentially offensive who knows um, who was the dude you mentioned at Bologna I'm on their Wikipedia now Matthias Svanberg 22 year old uh, central Swedish. midfielder from Bologna and Sweden hmm. I'll have a look what's his FB ref saying that's the first thing everyone does FB ref and if it isn't all green if it isn't all yeah, green I don't want him they're, all, they're automatically a shit player yeah oh absolutely I've clicked on him now oh I like him I don't like him in some areas no, don't want him. There we go. That's it. He's good going forward, but I don't like the rest of it. Therefore, I've seen the player. I don't like him. What your opinion? Shit. Get off. Get out of my club. Um, and that's it. That's how Twitter works. Thanks, everyone. Good night. <laughs> and we'll see you in the next episode.
Thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it massively. Um, Sorry, what? We'll see you next time. Sorry, what? Sorry, what? <laughs> if my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. Oh, Lots of love. Uh, Lots of love, guys. See you soon. Have a wonderful new year, guys. Yeah, have see a wonderful soon. new year. We've been before. Uh, said see you, but yeah, we'll see you. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.